Well, if you'll open your Bible to page 534, I want to show you a couple of verses. In a few minutes, we'll be at these verses. It may be you've never paid much attention. It's actually in one of the great Psalms in the Bible. Now, if you do remember, even though Joel says you won't remember, but in case some of you are extra smart, last Tuesday, I talked about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And, uh, you know, I thought it was... uh, I, I thought I'd kind of hit on a hot button in a, in a moment. And I, I made the statement last Tuesday, you know, you have to really be careful what you say. People read into things. And I said that I had one particular thorn. I said, now, I have more than one thorn in the flesh. And I think we all have some thorns. Now, I can't speak for you, but I believe that. I mean, there are just some things that kind of there, and sometimes God takes them away. But I made a statement. It's a, it's a true statement. I said, I have one particular thorn, and I think that's what Paul's talking about, about he was given a thorn in the flesh. I think he had more than one thorn. But I said this, I have a particular thorn that evidently is going to be permanent. God has never removed that thorn. Now, since last Tuesday... I've had little ripples come to me about whispering going on. And so I want to set the record straight. That thorn is not a moral thorn. So those of you that were ready to judge me improperly, I mean, I have a lot of sins, but I'm okay there. And uh, so now that I have that cleared up, and I need to be more careful when I say things that can open up that But I want to talk to you today about a thorn that I do have that I'm that I think you may be surprised when I tell you this thorn. Now, let me let me qualify. I have more than just one or two. I've got this one particular thorn that I wish God I feel like Paul. I really wish God would take that thorn away. But I think there are reasons God has not taken that thorn away. Well, in fact, I know there's some reason God's not done it. And I'm beginning to learn in a little bit more maybe why that is, and it's probably a good thing. But I want to talk to you today about a thorn that uh, it, it, may, it may be more your thorn than you think, but I can assure you in my life, it, it is a thorn. It's not a major thorn, but it's a thorn that I deal with sometimes more than other. And here's what it is. It's loneliness. You say, well, I'd have never guessed that. Well, now, now, if you'll stop and think a moment, I, I, I was thinking about that yesterday. I thought, now, you know, th- there's some valid reasons that I probably deal with that. Uh, I jotted down a few. Like most of the time at work, I am alone. I really am. I study for hours alone. Uh, all the administrative work that I do in the church. Now, others get involved helping me, but the bulk of what I have to spend time doing before I ever get to these people who are going to help me. All that is spent alone. I drive to visit hospitals and go to do funerals. Well, I'm always, almost, without exception, I'm alone as I go to do that. Uh, the, the, the amazing thing, I can even be in a crowd, I mean, of a lot of people, and I have this feeling sometimes. I, I, you know, don't go home thinking of poor pastor's a basket case. <laughs> Let me put your mind at ease. I think most that know me know I am a basket case, but I mean, I can be in a room with a thousand people. It's not every time, but sometimes I can just feel so 
I just have that feeling of loneliness. And I, I don't know, but I think others probably from time to time have that. Uh, now, you may say, well, I never feel alone. Well, then good. I mean, there, there are a lot worse things than that. But let me say this to you. One day you will be alone. One day you alone, just like I alone, will stand before God and we will give an account to God for everything that we've done in our life, whether it be good or bad, and you will stand there before God alone. And you may say today, well, that's not very important to me. Well, it may not be today important to you, but listen to me. One day it'll be very important to you. And I think of that a lot. One day I'm going to have to give account to God of everything I've done, good or bad, and I'll stand there alone to do that. And I thank the Lord for that. Now, going back to Paul's thorn, you know, that old thorn in the flesh. I dealt with this last week. Like, what was the thorn in the flesh? It's so interesting. I was having Sunday lunch with uh, Adam Thompson and his wife, Ashlyn, who are going to come as soon as he graduates from seminary. May is our new senior high and college student minister. He's finishing up his seminary, and he, he had no idea of I don't even know that he knows what Tuesday Bible lunch is. Don't even, he may not even know we do this. And we're having lunch. He said, can I ask you a question? And I said, well, sure. Anything you want to ask me. He said, uh, now we're eating Mexican food. And here comes this question. What do you think Paul's thorn in the flesh was? I thought, well, now this is going to be an interesting conversation. I said, well, let me ask you. I said, what are they, what's the new thing being taught in the seminary about what Paul's thorn in the flesh was? You're in the seminary now. I've been out a long time. What are they telling you guys? He said, well, they're telling us that we don't know actually what it was. And I said, well, they're telling the same thing they told many, many years ago. That's the, that's the truth. I said, having said that, I said, I talked about this last Tuesday. And that poor young man and his wife, I just redid my last Tuesday Bible lunch sermon. And I had the feeling they didn't want that much of an answer. I think it was a, it was a rhetorical question. They really didn't care. I think he just wanted to look scholarly and thought he had asked me that question. Well, ha having said that, we don't know from the Bible what his thorn was, but we know what the solution was. God said, after he asked God three times to remove the thorn, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So, so that was a solution. But having said that, I said last week that I, I've read over 50 speculations that people through the years have come up with what Paul's thorn was. Like I didn't mention one last week that's actually in the Bible. It mentions Paul had bad eyesight. Many say that was his thorn. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean... But I'm going to speculate. I'm going to add to the list. But actually, I have some biblical reasons for what I think. Now, I don't know what his main thorn was. But I do think, reading the Bible and reading things Paul wrote, that I see some things that probably, like myself, he had more than one thorn. And you probably have more than one thorn as well. But I think one of his thorns was loneliness. And let me tell you why I say that. In his letter to Timothy... He said something very interesting. He said to Timothy, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Now, I, if you think everyone's deserted you, that's what he wrote. At that moment, I think he had this feeling of loneliness. 
I won't go back and read it all, but back right before the thorn in the flesh scripture in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter uh, number 12, but back in chapter number 11, he has this list of things that had happened to him. From the Jews, five times he received 40 stripes minus one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And it just goes on and on. You know, so I've often thought of that scripture. If I was in church and we say Paul's probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. And we say, look what happened to him. And the preacher said, would y'all like to want to come join the church? I say, I don't believe so. If, if that's what the best get, count me out. Well, uh, you know, I think through all of that. And then I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. You know, after he was converted on the road to Damascus, he went over into Arabia for probably about three years alone. And certainly over there in the desert, uh, he had this feeling of, of loneliness. Well, you know, it's not just the Apostle Paul. Uh, you read the Bible, my gracious just almost, just, it's just a long list of people. This morning, I was just thinking of some of those as recent as this morning. I thought, well, you know, Adam obviously felt at one point alone. God said it's not good that man should be alone. So if God knew it wasn't good for him to be alone, I imagine Adam kind of figured out he's alone. Of course, God made Eve. And, and then Noah, I, I would think when Noah was building a big boat and it never had even rained, even though he was not alone on the earth, but he probably had a feeling of loneliness. And then, you know, Abraham, God told Abraham to get up and leave his home, his family, everything that he knew, and go to a land. God didn't even tell him where he was going. I can't speak for Abraham, but I think Abraham would have felt somewhat alone. And then I, I was thinking this morning of Joseph, all the things Joseph went through, thrown in the pit, felt alone, put in the prison, felt alone. He had many, many feelings of feeling alone. Moses... You know, after he killed the Egyptian, he fled over into the desert and hid out. Well, surely he had that feeling of loneliness. And David, uh, I was thinking about David this morning and uh, his running, fleeing from Absalom and uh, being out in the desert and going over into the cave uh, over in En Gedi. I've been there before. You see those caves. You don't know which one David was in. I always love to go there and have a church member say, Pastor, which one of the caves was David in? I say, it's right there. See, he left his handkerchief. Do you see it over there? I, you know, I, I like to be a, have fun on that. But, but the fact of the matter, he was, he was alone in the cave, afraid to death. Jeremiah, but he had loneliness. Job, no question, he had periods of feeling lonely. Uh, and then Jonah. I thought, boy, he may be the best example of, in, a, in the belly of a great fish. That'd be kind of a lonely feeling. And then Jesus, at one moment, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at that moment, all the sins of the world were put on him. And he felt forsaken even by the Father. At that one little moment, he had that feeling of loneliness. Now, in our scripture today, the psalmist uh, is, is, is writing, it, it, Psalm 102 is a great prayer for the afflicted. But look what this psalmist said in verses 6 and 7. I'm on page 534. He said, I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I, lay, I lie awake. And I am like a sparrow, that is a bird, alone on the housetop. In other words, this, this, this psalmist 
just had a feeling that my, my, my gracious, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a bad situation here. Uh, I'm over here and just feel like a, uh, an owl out in the desert. I feel like a bird that's alone on the roof. And of course, the background is, of this psalm is that the children of God, the Hebrew people, were in Babylonian captivity. God's word was being uh, not preached anymore. Uh, there were no prophets saying anything from God. God's people were in the minority. That always makes you feel alone. God's house lay in ruin. God's holy city was in shambles. And he just felt alone like a desert owl, like a bird alone on the roof. So you look at that. And then as we think about all these examples of people being alone and feeling alone, and it's like, uh, it's a real feeling. Like, what are some solutions? Well, I mentioned a couple quickly. One solution that I, you know, see people try, and I guess we all try from time to time, if you have a feeling of loneliness, is you think, well, the solution would just be people. If I just could have some people to be around, uh, and, and there's no question there's some merit to that, but it's not a long-term solution. That's the problem of that. You say, what's wrong with that? Why is it not long-term? Well, people die. Yeah. Uh, people move away, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. It's amazing. Uh, and people change. So if, 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 our, if our real foundation solution to the feeling of loneliness, even though people are a great blessing to us, and they are. I mean, the Bible's very clear about that. We not live in a vacuum. But if we're just depending on other people, to give us the security that we're not alone, it's, it's not a good solution all the way. And, and there are just problems with it. Uh, another solution is just, you know, and some people, this works for them for a while. The way they solve that, they just have a little, a little circle of friends. There's nothing wrong with having a circle of friends. But you have to understand about that circle of friends. They won't be in a circle forever either. In fact, you may be the first one out. Like friends die, friends move, friends change. Uh, so, you know, the, 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 and there are some exceptions. Now, you know, that's a, that's a good point that I, because this feeling, I think as human beings sometimes, and I love that song Jimmy sang, you just have this feeling, you know, I'm alone sometimes. And you can be, be around people and feel the same way. And we know, we know we're not alone, but we've kind of, that feeling is there nonetheless. It, you know, an extreme would be like, it'd be like claustrophobia on an elevator. You know, if somebody has claustrophobia and you say, well, you know, don't worry about it. You just got to get over it. They don't want to get over it. They want to get out of the elevator. I mean, it's a real deal. Somebody asked me yesterday, have you ever had an MRI? I said, yes, had two. I said, do you like them? I said, no. They said, are you claustrophobic? I said, well, I, I stayed in the deal, but if I had to have another one, I'd probably tell them to give me a, something to kind of help me not know I'm there. It's, it, you know, it's just a thing comes down on top of your head. Some people, that's no big deal. Others, it is. Now, in my profession, if I can call the ministry profession, I don't like to think of it as that, but Maybe in lay language, you know, I think it's a calling. But in my profession, uh, in, in my opinion, and my opinion is only worth my opinion. But to me, it's very important because it's my opinion. But it's also been my experience that uh, close friends 
uh, has never worked very well for Dottie and me. Now, we have a lot of friends, but as far as just having people that we, like, we just always go in places doing things, these people. For one thing, I've tried to never have favorites in the church. I wouldn't, you know, I don't want some families that, well, he just hangs out with his family and he doesn't have anything to do with these other families. And that, so that, that's, but yet, it, it, it puts the people that try to be your friends in a kind of an awkward situation because if like somebody, if the church gets kind of hacked off at you about something and you've got this one family that's your close friend, they feel like they've got to defend you and it puts them in an awkward situation. So I've just found that not to work very well for me. Now we have friends, but like we don't have friends we go eat with every Friday night and all that kind of stuff. Well, for one thing, I don't have time. Like, I can plan to do something, and by the time the thing gets there to do it, I've got to call people up and say, I'm sorry, this has happened, that's happened, yon's happened. So my life just doesn't work out very well that way, and others it would make But if you're going to have friends, like close friends, you want people that don't try to control you. And then if I were looking for people to really be a close friend, I'd have some criteria. I don't want them to think because we're friends, they're going to have a side door to kind of tell me what everybody in the church, you know, pastor, we'd like to tell you what the people are saying in the church. I just, I don't want to hear it. Of course, what I know is that nobody's saying this, what they want to say. But, but then to find friends that like you as a person, not as, as your position. Don't you imagine a lot of folks would like to be the friend of, uh, you know, well, I started to say the president. That's got to be such an unpopular job. I better lay off of that. But, to, <laughs> you see, well, I was doing a funeral. I, I'll, I'll get out of that. I, I was doing a funeral. Jimmy and I were in a funeral Saturday over at Forest Park, Longdale, in that chapel of angels. And there was a funeral director that uh, was in this little room where they tell us we can go sit till it's time to do the funeral. And uh, he was an unusual funeral director. I don't think he knew what his job was. I think he thought he was there to entertain us. And really, they, we wanted him out of the room is what we wanted. But he did say one thing. He said, you know, Lloyd Benson was buried in this chapel, his funeral service. In fact, his grave's right out the front door, his tombstone. He said, on the day of his funeral, there were four living presidents. Well, three of them would be former presidents. But there were four living presidents here in this place. And, and I thought, well, that'd be a... I said, I bet y'all security was pretty good over here that day, wasn't it? And he said, well, it was. It was. And, uh, well, you know, I'm sure those presidents, be people like to be friends. But don't you just like people that like you because you're you? Could I have an amen to that? You know? And uh, then when you don't maybe have the job you have, you find out you don't... You don't have as many friends. And I've known some people in great places of leadership. I've pastored some in this church that headed up what they headed up, and they retired. And all these people they thought were their friends didn't have much to do with them anymore. It was very discouraging to them. I think of one or two particularly. That was a very hard pill to swallow. Well, you know there's an upside to loneliness. So if you're alone... You have more time to pray, more time to read the Bible, more time to serve God, more time to help people. And I think it's interesting as you go back and, and, and you read, uh, old Paul said, I read this verse a while ago. He said, uh, you know, everyone had deserted him. But the very next verse, he says a really interesting thing. He said, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Uh, and, and then I thought about that verse where David said he strengthened himself in the Lord. Now. 
the solution, uh, the solution is to understand, and we all do, you know, bottom line, and, and some of you live alone, and I don't do that, and that would be a different experience for me. And I think about that from time to time. I'm sure we all do. And I, so I'm not someone that says, here's, here's how you do that. I've never done that. But even that those that live alone, I know some people that live alone, many. But they are not really alone. And you know that. We must always remember. Look, we can't, you say, well, I feel alone. Well, you can't, you can't live your life how you feel always. I can't, no, we live our life by faith. And what we know is there may be nobody in the house with us, but God's with us, right? There may be no family member can walk with us into the surgery area where they're going to actually do the surgery. But when you get in that little cubicle, God's in there with you. Don't you ever forget that. I mean, my last surgery, I was just awake enough. I saw Dr. Appel. He was standing there. He's all masked up. And I was, I was quoting Isaiah 26, 3. And, uh, I was just saying over and over because I, was, I was, had a feeling of fear. And I was just quoting that verse over. And I heard this nurse that was in there with him said, uh, he's saying something. Is he okay? And Dr. Pell said, he's a preacher quoting scripture. Don't worry about him. <laughs> well, Father God, sometimes we have to quote the scripture. To be reminded we can't let our feelings dominate us. God, no matter, we may feel alone, we may be alone, but we're really not alone. And I thank you that what David said is right. We strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I thank you what Paul went on to say was, he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So God, help us. I mean, we live around so many people and, and, and all these crowds, but God, I thank you. We're never alone. And even if we find ourselves physically alone, there are some upsides to that, things we could probably do that we wouldn't do otherwise. Now, Lord, bless us as we journey through this week. And God, we do pray about this virus. And I, I, pray, that, I pray for the families that are really going through some really hard times and, and those that are trying to help. And, and God, in the midst of it, help us to be wise in what we do, but help us not be overcome with fear. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.